ClickZ podcast with Tim Flagg. Insight, opinion and advice from the leading practitioners in digital marketing and e-commerce. The world is continually changing so quickly. Get as hands-on as possible and just keep that process of discovery alive within yourself. This is the ClickZ Digital Marketing Podcast and I'm thrilled to be joined by none other than the Chief Martech himself, Scott Brinker. We'll be talking about the evolution of marketing and the opportunities and challenges presented by new technology. Scott started the Chief Martech blog in 2008 to examine how technology is changing marketing strategy, management and culture. The blog has become the go-to source of inspiration and opinion for a new generation of marketers across the world. As Scott says, marketing has become a technology-powered discipline and therefore marketing organisations must infuse technical capabilities into their DNA. In addition to being a practising marketing technologist, Scott is also the CTO of Ion Interactive, a marketing software company, and was recently appointed as VP for Platform Ecosystem at HubSpot. Scott is well known for developing the marketing technology landscape Supergraphic, an often cited, regularly updated picture of the burgeoning marketing tech ecosystem. Scott, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the ClickZ Digital Marketing Podcast. Thank you, Tim. I'm delighted to be here. Wow, that was a long introduction. I didn't realize I did all that stuff. <laughs> I wondered whether actually we could start there and, and maybe could you tell us how you ended up doing what you're doing? Where, where does your story start and how did you become the Chief Martech? The abbreviated version of that is for uh, a number of years uh, in the dot-com explosion. I uh, ran the technology team at a web development agency. And so what that meant was uh, typically marketing departments would hire my company to build out their website. And then it was my job to be named the ambassador from the marketing team would tell us all the wonderful things they want. And I would be the guy then to go down the hall and talk to their IT department to translate that into, okay, how will we actually make this happen? And so acting as this kind of diplomat between marketing and IT for a number of years, I was just fascinated by, on one hand, these teams were like living in different worlds, they spoke different languages, they had different incentives and priorities. But then at the same time, if you looked at what the company said it actually wanted to do, you know, more and more creating these digital experiences, you know, as a way of, from a marketing view, right, finding, reaching, engaging customers, and from an IT view, actually delivering capabilities and services through this. It's like you saw these two groups are going to collide that they had to be married together, but they were so far apart. Uh, and so that was uh, the early seeds of uh, yeah, what led to the Chief Martech blog is what happens in a world where marketers and technologists who used to be on opposite ends of the career spectrum uh, suddenly end up becoming the closest collaborators in the enterprise. I'm seeing more and more people now having something like marketing technology director um, or head of marketing technology positions. Uh, what do you think has been the sort of the the reasons why this has now become so much more important to organizations? Well, you know, the reason I started working on that crazy landscape graphic um, was not because I actually obsess over little logos. Um, <laughs> that's become a side effect. Um, you know, the reason I first put that graphic together is because I was trying to communicate to marketing executives just 
how dependent they had become on technology and software throughout their organization. I mean, if you just look, every single facet of what marketing is doing is enabled by, in many cases, delivered by, in more and more cases, controlled by software. And so when you see that entire spectrum uh, in all of its uh, scary glory, the, the point of that argument was to be able to say, listen, you need someone on the marketing team who's really helping to put these pieces together uh, to help you be able to execute on the potential from a marketing perspective, the potential uh, that this technology offers you. And I suppose the drive behind that is the fact that the consumer themselves have been adopting technology at such a fast rate. You know, you think of the mobile phone and the way in which that has just changed the way in which marketers now need to understand how the consumers work and understand the new channels which they can use to to engage with them. But uh, what we've seen is also that this is a massive challenge for marketers trying to keep up. Um, and, and do you think there's now the danger that they get slightly overwhelmed with the complexity and, and the abundance of different suppliers? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, uh, if you aren't overwhelmed, um, I don't think you're actually paying attention. Um, I mean, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, I, I don't know of anyone who isn't, um, you know, and this isn't just marketing. Uh, I mean, the reality is, the world in a relatively short period of time has become entirely interconnected and has become almost entirely digital, right? Because granted, not every experience we have is digital, but almost every experience we have now ends up connecting to something digitally. We express what's happening in the physical world through our digital channels, uh, behind the scenes, right? All this uh, digital information is feeding experiences that we have in, you know, like physical retail outlets uh, or when we have a call center like we call up a company and we might think of that okay well that's a real world interaction but you know what's immediately happening on the reps screen is the detailed customer relationship management record is coming up and there might be predictive analytics software that's suggesting what the next best step is or next best offer to us on the phone and so it just you look at the way in which all this stuff has become interconnected and all software driven and yeah, it is It is huge. And it's not just marketing, right? It's how marketing connects into the sales process. It's how it gets connected around customer service, customer success. Uh, products themselves increasingly have these digital components as a part of uh, the customer experience. So yeah, I mean, deep breath. There, There's a lot going on. I don't know of anyone who feels like, <laughs> I've got this. This is a piece of cake. No worries. Yeah, I mean, even at somewhere like HubSpot, where, you know, very much leading um, the, the field in terms of innovation, um, that I, I imagine there, they're, they're still having to kind of keep up with the latest developments at one end while still innovating at the other. Yeah, well, in theory, that's one of the reasons why I've joined HubSpot is, you know, this recognition that for all the wonderful things that HubSpot does there's it's impossible for hubspot to do everything you know there's just too much innovation happening in too many different quadrants and so it's sort of this shift you know at hubspot but i think i'm seeing this at other uh, software companies too the shift of saying okay it's not that we're going to be the everything solution here just you know one piece of software and it does it all what we need to do is find a way to work in a world where, okay, we are 
<laughs> forgive the pun, the hub, you know, sort of the centralization for orchestrating across many different things, but taking a much more open approach to allowing people to pull in software from that entire marketing technology landscape, but again, even beyond marketing technology, how do I connect this to systems and finance and accounting? Uh, you know, how do I connect it to uh, you know what my customer service team is doing when they're uh, responding to a uh, a customer who's having a problem? How do I get all these pieces to work in harmony together? What advice would you have for somebody who is feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the complexity of all the different options for things they could try? Is there um, a split you would recommend between experimentation and innovation trying out to trying to bring in new things and the sort of the business as usual refining the existing systems that you have yeah that's a great way to look at it so first of all if you're if you're feeling overwhelmed uh take a deep breath and know you are not alone um everyone at every company is feeling this to a greater or lesser degree, and usually to a greater degree. Um, it's just we're in a world now of so many things changing so rapidly. Um, and so almost as soon as you come to the realization that it's not you, it's not your company, it's not you're, you're not off on this island of, you know, uh, struggling with this alone, that this is just the nature of business in today's world then hopefully you can sort of ratchet back a bit of the emotional stress for that and say, okay, how do we start to run our business in this, is the, in, in this state of the new normal, where just things are constantly changing and we're constantly having to adapt? And I think you really honed on a great way to look at that, which is to say we need to build into our operating model this ability to continually experiment and try new things and adapt and evolve. Now you don't want to be experimenting with everything all the time because yeah, it would just, you know, there'd be no stability, there'd be no center, you know, to work around. But finding this balance of saying, okay, there's these core capabilities, these core technologies that we put in place as our foundation, and we don't change them every month. You know, we're trying to have a have a stable foundation there that, you know, we look at over a horizon of years. But then around that foundation, we want that foundation to be as open as possible so that then around that foundation, we can allocate a percentage of our time and our resources to running these experiments with new technologies as they come up. And not just any old new technology, right? I mean, there's so many out there. You don't want to just randomly throw darts at a dartboard of my crazy landscape. You know, what you really pay attention to, you develop the systems in your business to pay attention to is, okay, what signals are we getting from our customers? Are our customers telling us they're wanting to interact with us in a new way? Was there some way they used to interact with us that's no longer performing? You have to be really uh, attuned to these signals and then look for the technologies that help meet the customers where they want to go. And you've talked a lot about the change in mindset, which is necessary for modern marketers the ability to not just have the the skills, the technical skills, but also things like resilience and, and curiosity um, to, to be able to survive this sort of ambiguity uh, of this very fast moving environment. But what do you think is the most important skill for a digital marketer to have now? Wow, that's a great question. You know, I, I'll answer that with I'll cheat because I think there's two skills um, that are evergreen here. First is that 
willingness to learn, that, that, that genuine interest to try and learn new things. There's, there's just no way you can rest on your laurels and be able to keep the level of performance that you need to in a world changing this quickly. Uh, so that skill is evergreen. Just constantly get better and better at, at, at learning. Don't let that skill die. Um, and then the other thing is really being able to explain this to your peers, you know, not just in marketing, but throughout the rest of the organization is because, you know, part of it is learning what changes are happening and how they're going to impact specifically your business, how they're relevant to your customers. But even if you then personally get that insight, the difference between a company overall being able to act on that quickly versus having it just sort of get, you know, drowned in the noise of committee or, you know, uh, just uh, too many other things going on with too many other people is you have to have the ability to, when you find something that's working, that needs to be scaled up, be able to com make a compelling argument to the rest of the organization to put more wood behind that arrow. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And Obviously, one of the key relationships which marketers now have to have is with the technology team. And you mentioned a little bit at the beginning there about how that's evolved over time. But what do you think is going to be the way that that evolves next? Is it going to be that marketing is going to own technology or um, will the sort of leadership of, of that come more from the technology side? I'm just trying to think what the future um, chief Martech actually looks like. What's their background? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it, it's an evolving one. Um, so I do believe there is always a role for an IT organization that looks across the entire company of how do you have a a coherent foundation uh, underneath all of these different departments? How do you establish really good governance for things like data security and data privacy, uh, compliance issues? Um, you know, and even how do you have that team of expert integrators and expert developers who have seen so many different kinds of software and SLAs and what goes right, what goes wrong, that they can advise every single team across the organization in really, really good IT practices. I still think there's enormous value for a phenomenal CIO uh, and a CIO-led organization. That being said, because technology is just so uh, distributed across everything that everyone is doing, um, it's impossible for an IT organization to control and operate everything. It really does have to move to more of that governance model, you know, where they're setting a framework for how different departments work with technology. But within that framework, departments take a tremendous lead in selecting and installing and uh, operating, uh, taking operational responsibility for the tools that they depend on. I mean, marketing automation is a great example. I mean, the IT team shouldn't run marketing automation because they don't even really, right? They don't, it's not their job to understand what the heck exactly do you automate in marketing, right? That has to be something that becomes native into the marketing organization itself. Great. So we've looked at how marketing technology has evolved and how that role within the organization has changed and become much more important. We're going to take a quick break and then after break we're going to come back and look at the future. What does the future hold for marketing technology? 
Hi there, it's Tim here, and I've got a favour to ask. If you're enjoying listening to the Clixie podcast today, could you please leave us a quick review? Just navigate to the review tab in iTunes or Stitcher and either share some stars or leave a comment. Not only would I be really, really grateful, but this also helps other people to discover the podcast. Thanks so much in advance. Now, back to the podcast. So before the break, we heard about the growing importance of marketing technology. And now I'd like to look to the future and see what are going to be the big trends which are going to be disrupting both technology, but specifically for marketers. So Scott, I want to start off and ask about data. A lot of people have said that data is the oil of the new digital economy or the fourth industrial revolution. And over here in the EU, of course, we've got GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, which is really empowering consumers. What role do you think data has to play in the next stage of evolution of marketing technology? Yeah, you know, I... I I definitely like the phrase data is the new oil, uh, but I think one of the challenges is um, oil is kind of like if you find oil, it's good, right? Oh, great. Oil. Good. This is going to be valuable. I, I kind of feel like data is more of like, um, you know, the dirt <laughs> of this economy. It's, um, you know, I mean, you can use a patch of this dirt if it's good quality dirt. You can use it to grow crops. You know, you can grow food. You can get stuff out of there. You have to put some work into that. But actually, a lot of the dirt out there is kind of, you know, I mean, it rains, it turns into mud. We don't want to, you know, get tracked into the house. Um, you know, I don't know. This analogy is probably falling badly apart. But the idea is there's just so much data. And the amount of it that organizations are really harnessingly, harnessing productively, I think is a relatively small amount. Uh, and this sort of feeds into the question around uh, things such as GDPR and just moving forward as consumers uh, in all countries, you know, ultimately want to have a little bit more control over their data, their identities, their privacy is I think as businesses, we want to start to think really carefully about not a strategy of own all the data, but more of a strategy of how do we get access to the right data when we need it to be able to deliver something of value to the customer. And we might have some of that data ourselves. We might license some of that data from a third party on demand. Or I think, yeah, you go a little bit further down the road and actually we request it as we need it from consumers, use it in that context to do something helpful for them, and then return the ownership of it to them after that transaction is complete. Yeah, I think that's a, a really prescient point there, because that does seem to be the way that things are moving, that consumers now are more empowered to take control of their own data and to then share it on their own terms. One of the trends that I've seen is that on one hand, you have increasing sources of data. So, you know, things like smart watches, things like smart homes, connected vehicles, Internet of Things, there's going to be a ton of additional data sources. And that's even before you get something called the uh, the open banking API, um, which will make a lot more uh, personal banking data available. Um, and so on one side, there's this huge amount of supply. And on the other side, um, there's demand, not just from online advertising, but from all types of advertisers who want to understand consumer intent. So you've got supply and demand, but then there doesn't really seem to be a way of connecting those to, to really deliver personalised advertising. Uh, and personalised advertising gets talked about a lot. Is it something that do you think is we're going to see over the next couple of years? Is it something important for marketers? Yes, to a point. Um, you know, 
when we look at what makes when we look at from the consumer's point of view, you know, there's not a tremendous number of consumers out there saying, oh, my goodness, if only this advertising was more personalized, I'd really love it. Um, For the most part, consumers do not want to be bothered by advertising. And some of the challenges we have is it's not just that we're using technology to make advertising more personalized. The problem is we're using technology to scale up the volume and the frequency by which any time any new touch point becomes available that we think, ooh, maybe we could slide in a marketing messaging message here, uh, we do. And it's that noise that I think is a much greater challenge to overcome than the challenge of, oh, you know, did you really recommend the right product to me in that advertisement that I found, you know, barraged in a sea uh, of other messages? Um, and so, you know, one solution to this, you know, again, looking forward is it's, it's the old age old uh, pull versus push. Um, you know, I'm much less interested in personalization where we're pushing things to people um, uh, as I am interested in personalizing the services when people pull from us, when they raise their hand and say, I am interested in X, I am looking for X, how seamless and wonderful can you make that process for me to get what I want? Like if we do a really phenomenal job at that, I think there's much greater opportunity for growth than the you know, incremental, uh, you know, incrementally more personalized advertising that people generally wish would just go away anyways. Yeah, there's definitely seems to be too much volume at the moment. And I think that's reflected in this massive increase in ad blockers. It seems to be leveled off a little bit in the more developed markets, but still in developing markets, it's it's huge. Ad blockers was one of the things I think last year that was a real uh, topic for marketers to to be discussing. What would you say are the game changers uh, that you're really interested in at the moment? And which are the sort of technologies or buzzwords which you think are currently really (laughs) overhyped? Well, you know, uh, yeah, that's sort of a setup for saying uh, artificial intelligence, AI. Um, You know, AI is fascinating because on one hand, it is incredibly overhyped. Right now, AI, we, we see that word everywhere for every product, everything in marketing. Um, but the interesting thing is, despite all that hype and perhaps unrealistic expectations, um, AI is actually very real today in marketing. There are so many products that are have machine learning algorithms built into them. And in many times, we don't even realize it, right? I mean, like, you know, lead scoring, you know, for instance, is one of these things that most lead scoring solutions now are using machine learning on the back end to, you know, rank uh, and write leads. And a lot of times it just it just works. We don't think of it as AI because it's become almost an ambient part uh, of how we expect the software to work. And one of the other things that's interesting about AI is I've made this point on the blog. Marketing is complex, right? We know this. <laughs> we got so many different channels, so many different campaigns, so many different segments. It is a really complex job today to run marketing. But the reason it hasn't gotten more complex is because up until very recently, we had to manage all of that stuff ourselves. And so we sort of hit this ceiling on just as human beings, how many things could we keep track of? 
And what's fascinating to me about artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms is that they essentially eliminate that barrier because when we turn it over to the machine, the machine has no problem saying, oh, well, I can create, you know, thousands of micro segments. I can keep track of thousands of different micro campaigns. Uh, you know, I can uh, uh, do this at a scale that no human could do it. Now, on some levels, that's good, right? Like, okay, great, wow, we'll be able to get, yeah, these more personalized experiences and campaigns and really target things better. On the other hand, I, I, I worry a bit that we, we as the humans in marketing are at risk of losing control of some of this, that these machines will be going off and optimizing segments and optimizing campaigns, and we won't necessarily have much visibility into that because, frankly, we can't at that scale. And so finding that sort of balance between the, the, the benefits and risks uh, of machine-controlled marketing complexity, I think is going to be one of the interesting debates in the next several years. And for me, it sometimes comes back to the fundamental principles of marketing, which have, haven't really changed. They're still as important today as they were 100 years ago. And all that's really changed is the digital technology has given us more opportunities, a huge volume of extra data um, and an increased speed and accountability. But actually, if you root the activity in those principles, then you're, you're able to ask the right questions and you know what the AI or whatever the other tool is you're using, what the purpose of that is, and you will get the right answers. But often I see that uh, people are using sort of AI as a, as a bit of a sort of solution without actually really thinking about the strategy for, for why they're using it. Yes, uh, artificial intelligence still, still actually requires uh, genuine intelligence yeah. <laughs> somewhere in the equation, uh, real intelligence. So uh, I'm with you on that. And in, in terms of then on the horizon now, so looking a bit further into the future, is there something there that you're tracking and you think marketers should be following carefully to see how it develops? Well, you know, these are all things that we've heard about. Uh, um, but when we actually think of them being in our world as just like a ambient part of everything we do, it still feels a little science fiction-y. Like, you know, we're, we're not there yet. But stuff like just voice-enabled computing, um, the Internet of Things, um, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, like, um, you know, like an example I was just chatting with someone the other day is, you know, when – um, I come into the laundry room and I'm like, all right, well, I've got these set of clothes and man, I don't know for, you know, my wife's dress, like, what should I be washing this in? And I just ask that question and the uh, washing machine answers, oh, okay, you know, uh, based on, uh, right, it already knows through some sort of uh, IoT tag, you know, what the materials in that dress are and says, okay, this is, uh, you know, what you're going to want for the de uh, detergent, this is going to be the level you're going to sell on it. And I'm like, well, I don't have that detergent. detergent. And, uh, you know, it turns around and basically says, okay, well, there's a delivery truck that can drop that off for you within the next 30 minutes. And great. And in fact, so I'm, I'm talking about this of having this conversation but it's entirely possible actually you take that just a little bit further and i'm not even involved in the conversation you know i'm just handing this stuff off it's doing this network across all these different providers sharing this information and the thing is you you, you can map out these scenarios and you're like okay well that sounds really cool but that's like you know the 22nd century or something um Almost all of the technology now to make those things happen exists. It just we haven't really connected to it together at scale. And given the accelerating speed at which innovation is moving forward here, 
I actually think we're not too many years away from those kinds of scenarios being how the world actually operates. And that's going to fundamentally change, again, everything we think about marketing. I mean, this notion of advertising to people is going to seem so quaint. You know, it's going to be this seamless delivery in any context uh, of something we want that is really going to be what drives businesses and drives that relationship between them and their consumers. Now turning to how marketers can actually influence their own company. I imagine that there are some marketers here who are really excited by the technology and what's coming next, but they're probably struggling within their own organization to move the digital transformation forward, to get buy-in from the senior management. Often when, when senior management, the stakeholders are very focused on return on investment. What advice would you have for someone in an organization like that who's still trying to um, champion and be the catalyst for change? Yeah, well, I mean, there's the bottom-up strategy, which is deliver results. You know, one of the wonderful things about, you know, digital is uh, you can usually very easily get uh, trial projects uh, into market, you know. So get a trial project that doesn't need a huge amount of executive buy-in and demonstrate the results and share that story and repeat that again and again and again. I mean, people think you're right. At the end of the day, executives uh, are right to say what are the results that this is going to get for us. Uh, so you can show that from a bottom-up strategy, and that takes time. The uh, the other approach is top-down, you know, and man, it is hard to pick up a business publication today that isn't rife of stories of major industries that have been thoroughly disrupted, you know, by digital innovators coming in and changing the fundamental business mechanics. Um, and if that doesn't scare the uh, pants off of, you know, a senior executive at this point, I mean, I kind of worry that they're not awake. Um, you know, you uh, a, a lot of what I hear in, you know, the executive circles is, People are really coming around to the fact that this digital disruption threat is real. It's not just hypothetical. I mean, when it starts happening to like the whole hotel industry, you know, I mean, the, the thing with taxis, you know, some of the ways in which, you know, Amazon is, you know, you know, changing whole swaths of like, you know, the retail space. Um, I think you're increasingly finding more executives who are saying, OK, we are we actually are willing to transform. We recognize uh, if we don't do this, someone will do this to us. The bigger question then becomes how? How do we get started? And so I think if you've got the initiative, you know, as a digital marketing leader to really be able to map out some of that first stages of the strategy of say, okay, if you buy in, you know, to uh, taking on a digital transformation mission for the company, these are some of the concrete ways we can get started with this. And quite frankly, these are some of the shorter term benefits we can give our current customers in the process and use this to drive efficiency and use that to drive growth. And I think going back to the fundamentals, marketing has always been closer to the consumer. They've had that insight from research, from actually interacting with the consumers. And they can then present that to the, the senior stakeholders and say, look, the consumers are changing. They are becoming more digital. That in itself is the catalyst for us to change. And so I think marketers have a have an important role to play there. Um, 
but looking at the first point you made there about sort of demonstrating the the sort of value running some tests and getting some data and showing how um, digital transformation could help an organization another challenge which marketers face is that of attribution that you can for example be trialing a new upper funnel channel um, but actually a lot of the value which you're generating up in the upper part of the funnel is being uh, is flattering the the channels uh, at the bottom of the funnel maybe paid search or even facebook advertising so do you have any sort of recommendations for how marketers can really use attribution or how they can make the case better within their organizations for understanding the funnel because to non-marketers it can can seem sometimes like a bit of an alien concept yeah so this is one of these topics where i actually uh, have a contrarian point of view with most of my peers um i mean don't get me wrong i'm a data guy i love analytics uh i I think you want to apply analytical models to as much of what you're doing to drive marketing as possible. But that being said, attribution over the customer journey is a very tricky thing. And I think one of the risks you have is if you set the expectations for accuracy there when they don't actually have that level of predictive power, that level of accuracy, um, you know, you can get yourself into some just some really weird parts. I mean, getting analytics on a specific thing like, you know, the number of people who clicked on this app, the number of people who converted on this landing page, you know, the average value of a transaction that happened through that, right? I mean, those are all great data points. Those are very solid um, and reliable. But when you look at touch points over a customer's journey that might involve, you know, weeks or months or years, it is really hard to do attribution, partly because you're trying to weigh the different influence each of those things could have potentially had on that buyer. But even more so, just because we have a lot of data, we don't have all the data. We have no visibility into the face-to-face -face conversations that that buyer had with you know, peers or friends or other people who had said, oh, don't use this company, use you know, so-and-so. There's so much better. I mean, there's just all this stuff that we still don't have visibility to um, and so anytime you start doing these predictive models around long customer journeys, I think you just have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Attribution remains, I think, one of those sort of holy grails still for marketers. And, and it's maybe one of the areas where AI can eventually help us. And when consumers actually start sharing more of their data, then we can start to build up a picture. But I agree, it's, I think it's still, there's, it's quite a patchy solution at the moment. I kind of like the phrase uh, holy grail because actually, yeah, they all want it. <laughs> But, you know, people have been searching for a number of centuries and they aren't finding it. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I just warn people that I think that'd be the wrong place to put your energy because um, I think that's going to be something that may never materialize the way the uh, science fiction dreams imagine they might. What advice would you have then if, if you're trying to make that case internally because you've got, a let's say, a CEO who's very focused on hitting ROI. They want to know for every pound you're spending what you're going to get back from it immediately. It, it, without attribution, without any accurate attribution, it's quite hard to make the case that you, you invest money now and it's only going to have a return on investment maybe three or six months down the line. Um, it used to be easier when you were talking about things like TV and outdoor, but now in the age of digital, actually digital's changed the expectations of how quickly that will yield a result. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, that, that's fair. Again, I think when you look at the performance of individual tactics along the way, right, those can be, uh, there you can typically get very strong attribution, and we know those pieces work. The question becomes when you start to, you know, connect these things together over long cycle customer journeys, the best you can do is get some models that show you correlation. They're never going to prove causation, um, you know. And so you do the best you can with the correlation. You actually don't just look at the numbers. You actually go and you talk to customers, you know. You try and really understand some of the old-fashioned market research of what are they really thinking as they're going through this. Why do they choose us? Um, you know, we, we, we can't turn that stuff over to a machine at this point. It's just not it doesn't have uh, the access into their uh, their heads their emotions i think this foundation of saying you can understand how technology works how to manage it how to build it how to take advantage of it you know understanding the dynamics of software is invaluable in a world where everything is controlled by software uh and understanding the marketing side of that right understanding what uh, persuades people, motivates people, the psychology of buyers, uh, you know, how value is delivered. You know, if you understand both pieces of that, man, there are just so many opportunities in this world. The days of being able to take a particular course or being able to just buy a particular book and say, okay, I completed this. Uh, here's my certification. I'm a digital marketer for life. You know, those are over. It's just the world is continually changing so quickly that the skill you really want to develop is again that ability to say figure out these things on your own not just find sources that you're reading but find ways to experiment with this stuff hands on you know run your own little experiments have your own little hobbies you know that give you a chance to try this stuff out uh, get as hands on as possible and just keep that process of discovery alive within yourself uh, and yeah I think uh, the world is your oyster fantastic advice so just to wrap things up then, could you tell us how we can stay in touch and find out more about Chief Martech? Sure. So uh, both my, my blog and my Twitter ID are Chief Martech, uh, but it's spelled C-H-I-E-F-M-A-R-T-E-C without the H. Don't ask me why. It was the days I was thinking Marcom with a single M, so Martech with a, you know, anyway. I, every time I explain it, should have just been with an H, All right, but it's not. <laughs> so uh, anyways, that's uh, my blog. Uh, that's my Twitter ID. Uh, definitely reach out uh, on either. I'd love to connect with you. And what about events? Um, I believe you're coming over to the UK soon. I'm very excited about that. Uh, the Martech Alliance Group has uh, put together a fantastic event and uh, we'll be there in the middle of november november 16th scott it's been fantastic to to share some time with you today and to talk about so many different areas not just the evolution of marketing technology and and what that means for organizations but also to look a little bit into the future for you and to to see that actually whilst there are quite a few new technologies which are going to help marketers the fundamental principles of marketing are still really important um but having said all of that it's an incredibly exciting place for for anyone to get into and for all marketers to learn more about so Scott I'd like to thank you so much for joining me today oh thank you Tim really look forward to seeing you uh, next month in London find more episodes at clickz.com forward slash podcasts or follow me on Twitter at Tim for change we'll be talking to more of our experts over the next few weeks until then keep up to date with ClickZ and don't forget to review us on iTunes and Stitcher ClickZ the original digital business intelligence company 
founded in 1997, providing best practice advice, trends and insight from leading analysts and practitioners to a global community of more than 300,000 digital marketing and e-commerce professionals. Thank you for listening and bye for now.